So welcome to another episode of Get Real and Get Free. This is Hillary Burns. And as always, we're talking about what we don't think we can say and the AAA formula for freedom, which is awareness, acceptance, and action. And today I am honored to have with me Rima Salas, who is a medium and a mentor for mediums. And you can reach her, and we'll say this again at the end, at Rima Medium on Instagram. And all her contact information is there. But I found what one of our friends, Will, introduced me to Rima because I have some experience talking to dead people. And I didn't even know it was a real thing until I met Rima, who's a real actual medium. And she's been teaching me how to do it. And she's just so fascinating and wonderful, as you'll see. So welcome, Rima. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Hillary. Yes, yes. So I, I think you'll all be fascinated with what she has to say. As we were talking the other day, you had said that awareness, acceptance, and actions were what you had taken on a couple of years ago, I think. And you had some great stories to tell about how you put them to use. So I'm just going to say what comes to you to say, Rima. It was about seven years ago that it dawned on me that I always had this awareness and it, sometimes you don't know what you get, what you take for granted that, that they don't have that same thing for granted. And it dawned on me. So my awareness was that I had this intrinsical wisdom of knowing that I was here for a purpose, that there was a spiritual intention for me to be here. And I've carried this my entire life. And one of the reasons why my program is called All Souls on Deck is because we come into the material world, we incarnate in these soul families. And there's some that are right now exist in the spiritual dimension and some of them are incarnated. And I feel this web around me at all times. And I know that I have my role to play in our soul family system. So when it dawned on me that I have that awareness and that people around me don't necessarily have it, that's when I started to consider what it would look like to come into acceptance of having that awareness. What would acceptance look like? Wow, like accepting that would mean that I can't stay quiet anymore about what I know, about what I can do that I know that every other person can do it. Because in my experience, everyone is born a medium and everyone can, be a, can stay a medium by nurture. So everyone can be it by nature and everyone can still be it by nurture. And that was, I think in everyone's life, there's a really scary moment that once you take the step <laughs> in that moment, you're like, that wasn't that scary. But for some reason, because of like social conditioning, culture, whatever, it's just, I'm a project manager. I have a master's degree in project management. I worked in, in software for a very long time and alternative energy, like in women's education. And all of a sudden I'm going to 
go out there and tell people about my spiritual life, something that I've kept and close to my heart only, that I would only practice mediumship when it when I was called to do it. Well, this calling came, this bigger calling came in meditation. I was questioning like, what does acceptance of this look like? And in meditation, I channeled my own higher self, which you could call your soul. You could call, yeah, your higher self, your soul, whatever you want to call it. And spirit, your spirit guide or your spirit. the thing is that I call yeah. <laughs> so okay. soul. I channeled my own soul in meditation. It, it, it comes forth and tell, lets me know a few things. And it says, it's time for you to be of service with your mediumship. And that's really when I was like, okay, this is basically what I've been afraid of my whole life because I, I thought there was no room for this in the world. I grew up where the best schools around me were religious schools. I have nothing against religion, but there was no space for what I do, who I am within the construct of most religions. And, and weren't your parents mediums too? Yeah, both my parents were so mediums. You, so you grew up with it? Yes, I grew up. As sort of? Completely normal, completely, yeah. completely normal. My mom's psychology, my dad was a biochemical engineer and a psychoentologist, and they both knew how to nurture this in me. But it wasn't even intentional, like, I want her to grow up to be a great medium. No, they knew that my soul knew what it needed to grow into what I needed to, what I wanted to grow into. They just didn't bash it. That's all mm. they did. They didn't bash it. My mom told me about her experiences. So I didn't feel alone in my mediumship. It's all oh, really. And growing up, they would let me know if you want to learn more, there are these books. If you want to learn more, there are these very reputable schools and they were very hands-off about it. And I wanted to learn it. There was one of these schools had a, a juvenile division. So I got to be eight and I was ecstatic about it. I got to be eight years old asking questions to a PhD in physics about how the spiritual and the material dimension coincide in the same time and space, but occur differently. Time and space occurs differently in each one. Right. So I was a total nerd about it. Right? <laughs> And I kept it within the confines of my family and our spiritual community. And I just felt like it would be threatening for me to speak of it outside of it. I didn't really know how to relate to spirituality from the other person's point of view. So it actually was very helpful to just listen for so many years, for decades mm. of my life outside of my spiritual community, all I did was listen. All I did was listen. And people would say, but there was something that told me that this was the right thing to do. Or, or I got to witness how people related to spirituality from where they were at, which to me felt on, on a very different on a different point of the spectrum that I was, because my whole life was about spirituality. Like my parents had, a, especially my dad was a very early riser. So he would wake up before we woke up and he would exercise and meditate 
every single morning at the same time, the same way. My mom would do it in, in different times of the day because she's, oh, let me do this, let me do this. Oh, I have it. Okay. And she would sit down and meditate. And my dad was like a very disciplined man. And he would just, he has his biological clock set to wake up, exercise, meditate. And I saw that other people didn't live like that. And it wasn't like bad or wrong. It was just like, oh, they just don't live. I wonder how they relate to spirituality. And it was very few times. And I would grow quieter and quieter when they would talk about it because I was really curious how other people related to spirituality and how they relate. And it was normal to, to see how people related to death with such sadness. And it's normal to be sad, but then they wouldn't go beyond the sadness to talk about the person who had passed. It was either celebrate their greatness or accept the really deep sadness of their passing, but that was it. That's where it, that's where it ended. And I grew up wondering what was the lesson that that person came to share with us in their lifetime. Mm. And we all do that. We all come to share a lesson either by exemplifying what we're learning or just by who we're being with other people that other people maybe didn't know that was a possible way of being. Like my grandmother was, oh my goodness. She was someone in whose presence everyone would feel very calm. And she would, when you would come to see her, she would always ask you if it's okay to just touch your head. Mm. Oh, and just she, her love language, one of her love languages was of course feeding people, but mm. also like touch. And people that interacted with my grandmother would learn that touch had a very soothing effect. And it sounds like a very little thing because now we're living in 2022 and we know there's a lot of science that says, of course, touch has a very soothing effect. But if you think about when my grandmother was born in 1901, and a lot of people were going to, there wasn't a lot of information about the effects of touch. It was something like, if you're complaining about something, go talk to grandma. Because I don't know what it is that she does, but she'll fix it. You'll feel better after you talk to her. And a lot of times people that grew up in, in isolation, like they didn't have big families or that they were, you know, recent immigrants to our country or something, they needed a lot of touch to calm their nervous system, have their nervous system feel like it's okay to be here. And now we have a lot of science around it. So imagine in a tiny little town where my grandmother was born, and this is my mother's side of the family. I'm not even talking about my dad's side of the family right now. And where was that? Your grandmother? Your my mom's side? In Venezuela and my Venezuela. dad's side in Chile. Okay. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. So they would tell these new immigrants to go see a doctor to see what's wrong with them. And they would, with the medicine education at the time, they would try and figure out what was happening. They would see the somatic effect of what was really going on for them. And yet all of a sudden, oh, there's this new immigrant also from Lebanon or from France, because my grandma was both French and Lebanese have you met this family who's also from there? And they would go meet them. And my grandmother would like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. And, and do her soothing touch on him. And all of a sudden he's getting better. 
wow. you know, by coming over for Sunday dinners at the house. And it's also, we know the importance of community nowadays, and we know the importance on, of touch on the nervous system. So everyone has something that they're here to share. Everyone yeah. has a gift that, that they're here to share. And sometimes it's something as simple as having a very soothing touch. My goodness, my father devoted 30 years of his life to teaching people how to take ownership of their health through balancing mental, physical, and spiritual health. And you've taken my program. You've heard how I speak about mental hygiene and nutrition, physical mm -hmm. hygiene and nutrition to give more space for the spiritual to have room to even voice what's the direction for us as an integral being, yeah. right? And way before way before we knew about the effects of refined sugar and stuff like my dad was teaching about that. I'm talking about the fifties. Mm -hmm. you know, everyone has something, a gift, something. And even if it's not intentional, my dad knew that was his mission about like people's health, like integral health. My grandmother didn't grow up thinking I'm here on a mission. So it still develops in us. And a lot of what people come for to me is I want to know what I'm here for. I want to reignite my inner compass, right? So consider that you're not going to, you're, what you're doing is discovering it because it's already been very likely obvious to many people. And it's just so much a part of who you are that you need the right mirrors to see it yourself. And of course it certainly is very valuable to hear it from yourself, to feel it come from your higher self. Oh, this is what I'm here to do. This is great because we're very used to hearing opinions and validations and everything from outside of us. And it's really nice to feel it from the inside. And when that inside matches the outside, the parts of the outside that we get that matches the inside, you're like, I got it. And mm -hmm. then, okay, I can run with it. So, yeah. So back to, if you don't mind, Back to when you were a project manager and yes. you got aware and then you accepted yeah. it. Uh-huh. And that's a big step to go from a project manager mm -hmm. to a medium. And yes. what did you do? What actions did you take to I can't I even imagine I can't even imagine the courage it would have taken to uh, make that shift. I just can't. So can you tell uh, us about that? <laughs> First and even all, to start, like you were saying, you talked about it with your inner circle or your yeah. soul circle, but not, how did you start talking about it? I had to start talking about it the moment I left my home, my family home. When I'm going to just take a one step back, okay, further back before the project management to medium step. Okay. Okay. Um, cool. The moment that I started socializing outside, like not socializing, but not having those conversations as frequently with my family and my spiritual community because I moved away from home, all of a sudden, oh, this is a part of me. It's something that only exists in the network of conversation of my community, right? right? Something that is so, such a strong part of me that wherever I go, whenever there is a consensual, <laughs> let's say, messaging I don't know how to say this opportunity. Like I'm at a dinner and someone mentions their, their mother 
who had recently passed away and I instantly feel their mother. Wow. And we're all like introducing ourselves to one another around the table because a few of us don't know each other. And then when it's my turn by then, this was in the 2010. So I had already learned that when I, when it's not an intentional channeling session, but I perceive someone at least for me with my formation, with my practice, because I, I meditate every day, I create myself or attune myself to be a channel for love, health, and unity. I know that when I'm perceiving something or someone, it's because the person who's sitting next to me, the human who's sitting next to me, has their heart open to receiving messages from this person. Mm. Or, you wouldn't, or you wouldn't receive it or I wouldn't receive it. I still request consent because that's my ethical discipline. When it's my turn to introduce myself at the table, I would find a way of saying I guide myself through by some spiritual principles. And even though I work in tech and I I really start my day out with, with yoga and meditation, and I have the privilege to perceive what people call from the other side, which really isn't, there's no other side. There's no veil there. That's an illusion. And yeah, I've had the privilege to be able to do that my whole life. And then inequivocally, every single time, whomever is related to the person that I'm perceiving to the soul that I'm perceiving will say, do you let me know if you perceive my mother? And you already have. Wow. Wow. Oh, thank you for asking. Would you be open to receiving a message from her? I'm still, they are asking me and I'm still like triple checking consent because the more relaxed, the more open they are to actually receiving, the better that communication is going to go. Because I'm intercepting a signal. The strongest bond in the universe is love. And the strongest bond there is between them. Wow. So the more relaxed this human is, the better signal there, there is going to be for me to intersect and find a message or hear a message. So I, mediumship occurs for me in in the way that I perceive souls is by feeling them in my body. So especially on the left side of my body, I feel them. So I can take up the gesture or like the attitude of the soul that I'm channeling. I hear them and I see them. So I'm describing her. I can sense the tone of her voice. If I'm not fully surrendered and I'm trying to like guess ahead one word of what Mm -hmm. they're about, I feel a pinch in my, in my vocal cords. That's my cue to be humble and surrender because I don't actually know what she wants to say. Wow. So then I give this message and to me, I'm, I can be talking gibberish, right? Because what I'm saying doesn't have any meaning for me, but it definitely has meaning for the other person. And I can tell because of their reaction. I was like, okay, it's a very vulnerable spot for me that I'm very willing to put myself in because of the expansion of love that is happening in that moment. Mm. And do you remember the message or like, what would be an example? No, I don't always, I do like now that I'm doing it because now we're fast wording, but yeah. Okay. (laughs) Intentional channeling sessions. I, I offer to record it so that I send them the audio. Oh, okay. 
And then in those cases, if I want to be like, oh, like what exactly? Because I'm always checking also myself. Let me see how surrendered I feel to myself when I hear myself back on that recording. Am I really that that deeply surrendered? Could I be surrendered even deeper? Because I'm checking my practices. I do surrender practices so that in that moment, it's like this. I go into this deep surrender. That's how I knew that this was a part of me. It wasn't just a part of just the circumstances that I was surrounded by, the people that I was surrounded by. When I leave those people behind to move away, work somewhere else, get a master's degree there, I'm taking that with me. Mm. And then I'm like, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Universe just use me when I'm useful. And then that good day that I wake up and meditate and hear that I have to be of service with it. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't, I wasn't like quitting my project management job to do this. It's just like, okay, I have to be of service with it. Okay. Let's see how, what this is going to look like. And I was terrified because most of the friendships that I had made in my adult life had little to do with spirituality. They had to do with tech. They had to do with personal development and, and ah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I just called people that had known me for those, whatever, 12 years that they at least knew or thought, or I thought that they thought that I wasn't crazy. And I'm like, Hey, I have a a daily meditation practice. um, I'm actually really spiritually inclined and, and they can suspect that I'm trying to tell them something. It was like, what's going on? And I was like, it's just that I'm feeling called to share that, that I'm a medium. And then I'd have to like pull the phone away from my head because they're screaming, going like, I've known you for 10, 12 years and I didn't know this about you, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. That fear was always over here with me. Mm. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, better later than never. Would you like a session? Oh, of course. When's your next availability? Oh, okay. And I had no idea what this was going to look like. Since I was a child, I've been communicating with my higher self. And since I was 15, that I identified who my spirit guide is, but I was always referring to a spirit guide because I knew I had one, but I identified who they were when I was 15. I've been like, Hey, help out. Let me know how you want this session to go. How long is it going to be? What do I do? I knew not what I do. I knew what to do from all the studies and the training that I've had and going to sessions every other week and about growing up all the time. And so I know what to do, but I don't know in this particular way of service I'm being called to do, what does this want to look like? So I just did a bunch of them. And I noticed that statistically they would never go beyond 90 minutes, 80 something minutes. Mm. And I knew to tell people, Hey, you know what? A channeling session with me is never over 90 minutes. So let's allot 90 minutes for a channeling session. Still to this day, most of my work gets known through word of mouth. I do have an Instagram account, Rima medium, R-A-Y-M-A medium. And I don't do a great job at putting myself out there yet. Mm. Also because I have plenty of work through word of mouth and I either need a different hat or I need an assistant right now (laughs) to record some of these experiences and start sharing them out there with the world, because I know that would be of greater service as well. And that's the direction that I'm taking now because 
if all I get to do is let people know that this exists, that it's okay, that it's safe, that there's nothing to fear and that it's beautiful. I've done, I've done enough service and there's always going to be people that are going to want channeling sessions. There's always going to be people like, Hey, I have sensitivities, which is what happened. So hold on. Let me back up one more time <laughs> for the first two years. I did it for free, but those two years, I had less time to devote to project management. I all of a sudden, okay, I need more sleep. I, I, I need more time to cook and eat. Like all of a sudden, like I can't do both at the same time. And a dear girlfriend of mine, who's also a medium said, you should be asking for an energetic exchange. And I was like, I don't know about charging for this. I don't know. It's just like, I was, and I started asking for donations. Mm. And then it was like a wave of people came. And then I was like, okay, I still can't leave my project management job. I said, what about suggested donation? And then the way was the wave was even bigger because people want to contribute. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And then it was one day that I was talking to a dear girlfriend of mine who's a lawyer and she's get over it, put a price on it, register as a company and just go with it. It's been four years, right? You know that the world is, is wanting this and stop being stingy with it. I was like, okay. So I registered. <laughs> I left my job and I was like, okay, now it's just, I just live my life sharing authentically. So who are you? What do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a medium <laughs> and I'm a mentor for mediums. And, and then that opens up a whole conversation that I'm now receptive to. I'm not afraid of myself. Mm. Right? And in the first two years, it was very painful to hear every single person that came to a channeling session say, I'm coming to you because I'm afraid of my own sensitivities. I want you to channel for me because I don't dare channel myself. And it was like, oh, I never had to have that fear. Mm. I never had to have that fear because of my training, because of my education, because of my parents. And it was for two years that I'm going like, who am I to impart any form of wisdom from this. Like I, like I, and then no, 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 like all this, <laughs> it's many decades of experience and you know how to keep yourself safe and you know how to teach people how to keep themselves safe. And that however much their ability develops or doesn't develop depends on their own discipline to surrender to, to the spiritual dimension. And I felt really rounded and safe in doing that. And that was the birth of all souls on deck, Mm. which is a program. It's a three month program and people just come from all walks of life. People who are religious of different religions, people who aren't religious, people who have only known of spirituality their whole life and people who are in all different industries. You, you wouldn't imagine like in the entertainment industry, people who work for the UN, people that work like in anything and everything you can possibly imagine. And I was like, oh, thank you. 
thank you. Like my first thing when they express their interest, thank you. Thank you for bringing a spiritual intent to what you do. Thank you so much. This is how we are going to create integral health as a human race. Mm. When we stop denying that there is a spiritual part to us that is calling to be tended to. Wow. So did I cover the action part? I think I did, right? Yeah, but uh, that's fascinating, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm just like, woo. <laughs> I remember I was in a course and they said, stand up and say something that nobody knows about you. So I stood up. I was not around New York, the New York center where I go usually, but I was out in Colorado. And so I stood up and I said, I talked to dead people. And I sat down and then I was like, oh my God. And it was unbelievable. So many people came up to me and said they do too. I couldn't believe it. I thought they were going to like take my body and remove it from the room because you're nuts, but they didn't. It was so much more accepted, you know, and I know I don't always talk about it, but in the past when I did, like my next door neighbor wanted me to talk to her sister who had passed away. People will ask if I say it, but I don't normally say it. Mm -hmm. So I give you a lot of credit. And I know you were raised with parents who were mediums, but I wasn't. So I didn't know if what I was hearing was real. Was I making it up? What was this? So it's just really interesting. And, And what I've learned lately, and you can say that when people pass, they're actually here. They're just in a different form. They're with us. We can't see them. They have a different sense of time, but they're actually with us. Yeah. We can't feel them, but maybe we can sense them. And so that's really, I find it comforting, you know, especially when someone passes away that I could still talk to them and sense them. I don't know that other people can, but yeah, it's comforting to know they're still there. You could still talk to them. Absolutely. And you're the perfect example of someone who isn't, when you came to the program, you weren't like, I'm not looking to just devote my life to be a medium all of a sudden. I was like, no, that's fine. Like, Most of us mediums are actually, we are bringing that, we are bringing that sense of connectedness to spirit, to our everyday lives, to the industry that we work in. That's why I love that people from all walks of life come and take the program because it's not, everyone doesn't have to all of a sudden go around like, I'm a medium. And that now (laughs) all I do, not everyone has to do that. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is that I didn't know until I started working with you was that the messages are are like a high, a good frequency. Like yours, yours was, what was yours? Love, unity, and. Yeah. So my, my frequencies are love, health, and unity. Okay. And then yeah, that isn't, that can come through me. That's it's very comforting because you don't want to hear bad news. Mine are love, light, and joy. Yeah. So I know that if I'm hearing something, it's got to fit. It's going to be good. It's not going to be a bad message that you don't want to have to tell someone, which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So and yeah. Have boundaries as mediums, we can have boundaries, right? 
I, I tell my mentees all the time, like you can have the boundary. I have the boundary of, Hey, don't show me the mess. Show me the message. I don't want to be bombarded with like bad things that can happen. No, don't show me the mess. Show me the message. What's the message here? Mm. I don't want to see the image of someone crying in a corner because they didn't surrender to love because they didn't set boundaries in a certain part of their life. No, send me the message like, oh, is there a part of your life where you're not setting boundaries that is having you experience heartache? And when I'm delivering messages, and again, like all my mentees know this, this, ask it as a question, pose it as a question because you could be wrong. I'm not infallible because no one is. And that's like the principle of humility. Like actually the more, the more willing I am to be wrong, the likelier I am to be accurate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you pose what you receive as, as a question, because you also, if there's no resonance on the other side, because you're intercepting a, a signal. So this signal is in resonance between these two people. And when you pose it as a question, you're seeking, is this resonating here? Is there resonance? If there's not resonance, then there's likely something that's coming from your own mind or from your own deduction, like you're making something up and it takes time to stay in that surrendered state for, you know, in my case, I do channeling sessions of 90 minutes, staying in that really deep surrendered state for 90 minutes where your mind is no longer trying to, because we have pattern, pattern identifying minds. It's brilliant. But how do I quiet that or give it a break, give it something else to do, something to train it to, hey, we're, we're not engaging with you here. You're not involved. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Any other stories, any other quick ones or it's been fascinating hmm. Hmm. or any place where you got aware or accepted or act? Yeah, absolutely. So I rarely talk about the form of mediumship that I inherited from my father because it only developed in me. I have, we all have developing mediumship senses and reliable mediumship senses. The reliable ones are the ones that show up every time that we're being of service. And the developing ones are like, oh, that just happened. Oh, that just happened. But it's like spontaneous and random and it's not reliable yet. And once I healed my relationship to my physical body, it manifested in me. It developed like to a great degree to the point where it's now a reliable sense. And it's been decades since that I can sense people's bodies as my own. So in a channeling session, because I feel like I just left people thinking that in a channeling session, all that happens is that, Hey, there's a soul that has a message for you. It's that message is the most timeliest thing that you want to hear right now. That's going to have the greatest impact in your life. I have no control over who shows up, but I know that who shows up is the one person that has that message that's going to have the greatest impact in your life right now. However, about halfway through the session, it shifts to my other form of mediumship, which is I start feeling, and this is on my right side, I feel your body as my own. So I can feel like, oh, I feel a little stiffness in the liver. I feel like the lymphatic system's a little slow and and somehow it ties into something that's happening in your life, even though I don't know that's happening in your life. And I'll give you a very specific example in the next few minutes. I'll tell you about the first time that this ever happened. And because time and space work so differently in the spiritual dimension, I can do this online, which is wonderful. It's great. Wow. And this first example of the time that it was really clear to me, oh, this is now a reliable sense 
it did happen in person, okay? A dear friend of mine was complaining about having pain in his foot and told me some story about how his physical therapist said, nothing against physical therapists. The first assessment, the first opinion from the first person that he went to was that he was doing something wrong when he was walking or something. And I didn't feel resonance in my body when I heard that. Nothing buzzed or anything. So I was like, oh, give me your foot. I had no idea where these words even came out of my mouth. Give me your foot. Who am I to like, give me <laughs> and my right thumb went directly to the point where it was hurting on this big man's foot. Right. <laughs> you know, like right here. And he's like, ah, yeah, right there. And I see envision that I see a vision of a bright spark of light right there in that point of pain. And I follow the light up his foot and up his leg and it hits his opposite hip and Granted, at the time, I didn't know that much about bodies in terms of physiology. I do, because of a meditation that I do, I do know a little bit, but I said, but your opposite side sciatica also hurts because I saw another spark there. And he's like, yes, it does. And I was like, okay. And then I keep following the light all the way up to his head. And when it reaches his head, out of nowhere comes this message of, what are you not saying at work? And this man jumped back from me, like feet away from me. Like, how do you know? I was like, or what do you know? I don't remember what he he asked, but he was terrified. I was like, what do I know? Or how do I know? And I was like, I know nothing. And I certainly don't want to know anything. (laughs) No, seriously, I don't know anything. And we then opened a conversation and he said, there's just something that if I say in my organization, I'm afraid of what might happen. Again, I still to this day don't know what that information was because I really didn't want to know. And I'm like, okay, but that's why your foot hurts. Because you're not taking a stand for what you know you need to do. You're just resisting voicing something you know is of service. And he's like, how am I going to do this? Is because he asked the question that opens up visions in me. How am I going to do this? And I, I see you speaking to someone of your extreme confidence that looks like this and that. And I see the conversation coming out of your mouth and it's creating like a tree, right? So there's the trunk of the, the meat of the matter, right? The trunk of the tree, the branches, the leaves, and then these little teeny tiny yellow brand new baby leaves. And you just take one of those little tiny yellow leaves and mention that much at work. That's all you need to mention. You don't need to bring the whole, you don't need to uproot the tree and bring it to work. Just that little bit and let that snowball. And I feel that's going to be at least enough to open like the valve on a pressure cooker that you have going on inside about knowing that you need to disperse this information that is of service to others. And then two weeks later, he's like, okay, I did it. And just like days later, after I did it, I didn't even know if it was going to snowball yet. I got an offer for a job that I really wanted in the city that I really want to work in. And I didn't even know that there were openings there. Oh my God. It was his time to move on because his mission was complete where he was at. Okay. So next. And did he say it? Do you know if oh, he said the little yellow? He did. Wow. Yeah, he did. He's oh like, my God. Later, I got a phone call with a job offer somewhere. Da, 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 da. And it was what he really wanted. He kept track because in, in his industry, it was really easy to keep track. Like, yeah, that snowballed. And then everyone knew and da, 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 da. Yeah. Wow. And of course his foot pain went away the day that he yeah. did. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. <laughs> that you could see that. Now, one more question. 
Mm-hmm. When you said you he- made peace with your body or you healed your body? I healed my relationship to my body. How, and can you just say something about, because I'm sure we all need to do that. How did you do that? Um, how did I do that? I started questioning why I had such a, what I would call negative relationship with my body. Meaning like I always wanted to change it. So if love is a abundant form of acceptance, I was not that in relationship Mm. to my body. So I started to question why that was. And I started to like, what if I just accept it, how it, how it is. And, and again, that's another, that's acceptance. The awareness I think was when I just saw women that looked like me being really happy and joyful. And I felt like I didn't have the right to be happy and joyful and experience, like experience pleasure being in my body because my body didn't look a certain way. Mm. And it took seeing other women, right? So this is what the, they might not even know that's what they're doing, but exhibiting their happiness with who they are in their body was enough to lighten that up for me, bring that to my awareness and invite me to look at what would acceptance of my body as it is look like. Wow. And then the actions that follow. Yeah, that's great. I know when I see people, cause I'm kind of stiff, I, I was athletic, not feminine. And when I would see people that were maybe heavier than me walking sexy, I was like, how are they doing that? Like I was so, it was not, I didn't allow that. I was to get whatever that was. It wasn't available. I'm still opening that up, but yeah, I'm going to have to practice that awareness, what you're talking about. You know? yeah. So we're constantly yeah. there. Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, because of my meditation practice, since I was a kid, it was easier to catch my mind in, and, and there's yeah. still areas of my life or areas of, of mental conversation that I didn't catch my mind because there, we always have blind spots. And there were also a lot of blind spots about how little health I had in my relationship to my body. So I had, mm. there are areas in my relationship to my mind that weren't healthy where it's, Oh, why am I criticizing myself? like that in my head about something about who I am or what I do or how I do things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should have caught that mistake before it happened. You know, like, wait a minute, who am I? You know, <laughs> that, yeah. That's not me. And, and the same way about my body and that evaluating what's my really, like when I serve myself a plate of food, what am I, how do I feel about it? What am I thinking about it? And all of that. And again, it's like, my favorite thing to bring to awareness in my program at the very beginning is the more nutrition and hygiene we bring to our body, the better nutrition and hygiene we bring to our mind, the more space there is for the spiritual part of us to have, to come forth. Mm. Wow. I never connected it all together. That's wow. Cool. Gosh, thank you. I know we we went on, but I thought it was so interesting. I just wanted to keep going. So thank you so much. Anything you want to say in closing? My pleasure. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, if you have the sensitivity and you're not afraid, please contact 
Rima Medium, R-A-Y-M-A Medium at Instagram. All of her contact information is there. She has a course, All Souls on Deck, that I've taken. It's so powerful and so cool. And I, when I first started, I wanted to get in touch with my higher self. I didn't even know what it was. And now, on a regular basis, I journal what it's saying. I know what it's saying you, that's it. And I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna trust it. So it really does work. You get in touch with a higher level of life, like a different energy. Just my whole life is completely different than it was a year ago. So thank you, Rima. You are incredible. Again, Rima Medium on Instagram. And thank you so much for, for coming. I really enjoyed it. Thank my you. Pleasure. Thank you, Hillary.